This is an Australian Museum podcast. Welcome to Amplify, a regular conversation featuring Australian Museum Director and CEO Kim McKay, speaking to researchers, scientists and other fascinating people from behind the scenes at the Australian Museum. Hello and welcome to Amplify. I'm Kim McKay, the Director and CEO at the Australian Museum, and Amplify is our regular podcast where we get to know some of the incredible staff who work behind the scenes at the Australian Museum and also meet some of our scientists who are doing extraordinary work. Well, of course, this year is our 190th anniversary. Yes, the Australian Museum was founded in 1827, making us the first museum in Australia and really the first museum charged with recording the fauna of our continent. To do that work on a daily basis takes an extraordinary team of people. And today, we're going to meet one of those who does work behind the scenes and sometimes so far behind, even inside of some of the incredible specimens that the museum holds. Sheldon Tier is a natural science conservator with the Australian Museum. He works in a department called Materials Conservation. So he's got responsibility for helping maintain the entire collection and Let's face it, we've got something like over 18 and a half million objects and specimens in the collection, so it's a lot to look after. So Sheldon and uh, his colleagues do that on a day-to-day basis and also work a lot in prep for exhibitions, making sure those specimens and objects that go on public display are in the best um, way maintained for the future. So what does it take to be one of these people and what are the skills? So welcome, Sheldon. Thanks for having me today, Kim. Well, it's great to have you, and I should just point out that Sheldon uh, won our uh, staff prize last year for being uh, the person who'd contributed most in his particular area, and as part of that, went off and did a wonderful course in Barcelona. Let's start there. How was Barcelona? Oh, Barcelona was wonderful. It was great to get the opportunity to go over. Um, it, yeah, we, I learned a lot. It was fantastic. So what did you do there? Uh, I had a, um, a workshop on the care and management of natural history collections. Uh, so we were learning from some uh, very important uh, leaders in the field. So, so what is conservation of natural history? <laughs> Tell us about that. I guess uh, my role is to ensure all our specimens last that much longer um, so they'll be around for future study, for future audiences to enjoy and to learn from. Uh, so we, we balance uh, access and preservation. So the deterioration, uh, trying to limit the amount of damage that happens. Now you're probably going to hate this analogy, but I remember my mum having a fur coat, was hanging in her wardrobe, and over the years I'd as a little girl, go and try it on and play dress-ups. And then one day I did that and it sort of fell apart in my hands. You stop our specimens falling apart, don't you? Yeah, that's our, that's our main goal. That's what we try and uh, uh, definitely try and stop happening. We don't like it when things fall apart. <laughs> no, and so we've got some very large uh, specimens in the collection, rhinoceros, for example, that have been in the collection for well over 100 years, and lions, for example. So, so how do you go about looking after these specimens? Uh, I guess with those very large specimens, it comes down to how we handle them and how we store them. Uh, so we, we, we always try and uh, move them around in... in uh, Stillages? 
they're packed in boxes, yeah, really, aren't they? Yeah, so um, the, the transportation, the movement, it's all uh, um, as sort of... Uh, we try and manage the risks involved in, in moving something that, that size. Um, but it also uh, comes down to even something as large as a lion can be affected by something as small as a pest. Yeah. Uh, a little beetle that could eat the skin or the fur or feathers, things like that. So while we, we deal with things on a macro scale, we also deal on very micro. That's right. So if there was an infestation of pests in our collection, it could be disastrous, right? Yes, they can tear their way through a lot of material in a very short time. Yeah, well, we see in, uh, in Australia how often termites can tear their way through a house. Exactly, and uh, a lot of people do think of insects eating uh, the organic material, like the fur and feathers. That's sort of where I encounter it the most. But uh, because we have such a vast and um, beautiful Pacific collection, which is largely full of wood, we have had in the past uh, borer and termite issues. Wow. And they can be a lot harder to get rid of, as anyone with borer at home will understand. That's right. So you play a, a really significant role because that collection, which is a very valuable collection, not just economically valuable, but valuable to our understanding of our history as a continent and the region of protecting and preserving that. And so just in the same way we often hear a lot about in libraries, conservators there looking after the paper, this is a similar sort of skill set, but but really dealing with sometimes some very, very large or very, very small creatures. Yeah, so uh, that's one of the things I find uh, the most rewarding about uh, my position as natural sciences conservator. It's not one material type. I'm, I'm not tied to just paper or just paintings. Uh, if you think of a natural science collection, we've, we've got birds, we've got mammals, but we've also got geological specimens, we've got fossils, things preserved in fluid. So I'm, I'm, I get to jump around all sorts mm. of material types, which when we come down to it, that's what conservators love. We love the materials of the objects and uh, problem solving how to best preserve um, and understand the chemistry of the objects, as well as their significance and um, scientific value. Exactly. Sometimes it looks, when I've observed you working, it's quite a solitary pursuit at times, isn't it? Yes. Um, you do conjure up those images of a painting conservator at an easel, very methodically working away. And, and sometimes our treatments are very delicate and um, solitary. But um, again, uh, one of the uh, lovely things about my role is because I do work on rhinos and bison and whales, I do have to collaborate a lot with other people. Uh, it takes two people, three people, even just to move the objects. So I'm quite lucky. I, get, I often yeah. get, get a buddy to work with on those long hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And it is painstaking work, it isn't it? Be. But you also need a bit of an artistic bent too, don't you? Yes, uh, a lot of people come into conservation with a visual arts background. Um, I didn't, um, but it is a it can be a steep learning curve. So let's talk about how you got into this. Were you fascinated by natural science as a young man? Um, uh, well, I started my uni degree uh, doing uh, ancient history, classics, that kind of thing, with archaeology. And while doing archaeology, I discovered... Um, these people who get given all the treasures that are dug up and they're the ones charged with making sure it's going to last and cleaned up and put into a beautiful display. And I thought that's much more, uh, spoke to me much more strongly. Uh, I thought my hands aren't made for digging. 
Um, so I investigated and found a, a museum in my hometown that would take me on as a volunteer. Where was that? That was in Dunedin in New Zealand. In um, the South Island of New Zealand, almost yeah. right in the Southern Ocean there. Yes, brushing up against Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you volunteered at the museum. In fact, we see a lot of people today who volunteer at our museum here and then they end up getting jobs here. So that really... It is a great way of uh, entering a museum because we have so many diverse fields that are quite unique and uh, niche and you might not hear about them so I was very lucky to get time with the conservator and to find out that that is what I wanted to do because it it is a bit of an undertaking a a very uh, unique uh, branch to go down so and then I was lucky enough to go over to Melbourne to study conservation and ended up here. So you did a master's didn't you in Melbourne? Yes and Melbourne Uni offers a, a master's degree in conservation I believe it's one of the few in uh, in Australia. So. Right. And you worked for Museums Victoria? Yes, I was lucky enough to get some uh, a, a, a short contract there for um, about a year and a half before I managed to uh, make the change and come up to Sydney. And we're so glad you did, Sheldon. <laughs> I'm very glad. <laughs> because we have an extraordinary collection here and the museum is, uh, it's sort of captivating, isn't it? It is. It's um. It's a great place to be, uh, and it, w- it was really the only. Uh, oppo- it gave me the opportunity to focus into natural science. If uh, a, a lot of museums don't have that role, uh, I think there's only two of us in permanent roles in this country. Yes. So it, it definitely gave a, a brilliant opportunity for my career. Isn't that wonderful? It's great to have you as part of it, and of course, at the moment, we've got so much redevelopment happening at the museum, and of course, for our one ninetieth. We're working now on the Long Gallery transformation. Uh, We were lucky to get support from Westpac and the state government and donors. And our beautiful neoclassical three-level gallery is completely being restored. And we're putting the 200 treasures of the Australian Museum exhibition in there. And I know you've been working on some of those treasures. Yes, it's again another fantastic opportunity. Almost every year since being... um a staff member here, there's been wonderful exhibitions year after year that have had such a massive uh, natural science component uh, and the Long Gallery, uh, hundreds and hundreds of natural science specimens are coming across my desk. That's right, I should say to people that while there are 200 treasures being highlighted, in fact we've got literally probably over 800 different objects going into that gallery on the, the ground floor where the objects are uh, are going to be housed in different thematic ways and they are some of the true treasures of this museum so it's so exciting to get them out isn't it definitely it's sort of those objects that have always been sitting on a shelf in a store and now i get to have them on my table and you know check them out in great detail it's wonderful so you're very busy obviously conserving those specimens at the moment getting ready the long gallery opens reopens in october and will really i think uh become that must-see gallery in Australia for visitors to our country, to Sydney, but for everybody just to, to enjoy. I think uh, you could dwell in there. Oh, I think so. It's going to be yeah, uh, marrying the uh, cultural objects and the um, natural history objects together in one space. It's something for everyone. That's right. So it'll be a true treasure chest in that way. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. This is a phenomenal year ahead of us for our 190th. So what's been the best thing you've ever done here, Sheldon? Oh, my goodness. Uh, There's 
like I said, there's been so many exhibitions that I've got to work on that have been so heavily natural science, which is quite rare. Um, I've worked on everything from beautiful birds of paradise. Um, Over, I think, 100 specimens went into the Birds of Paradise exhibition and they were just stunning to work on. And I should, you probably are aware that in Sir David Attenborough's tour of Australia coming up that he's borrowed one of our Birds of Paradise specimens to use in the show, which is just fantastic. It is great. I think it was from the 1890s, that specimen that we're giving. Uh, But that exhibition was uh, a pleasure to work on. It's probably one of the highlights. Yeah. So if you had a favourite specimen or object in the Australian Museum collection, and I'm putting you on the spot because we do have over 18.5 million objects, and I know... You've also just been involved in helping relocate some of them up to Castle Hill, our new off-site shared storage with uh, the Museum of Applied Arts and Sciences and Sydney Living Museums, which gives us much better storage facilities, temperature controlled and hopefully to minimise pest infestation. So in that whole process, what's been the thing that you've gone, oh, that's my favourite? I must admit, my I do love mammals. They're sort of, I guess very engaging some of the beautiful historical taxidermy mounts that we have and I think probably my favorite would be Dyson the bison in uh, Wild Planet he's just a a beautiful mount uh, and the his expression and the way he's in the gallery you can just look straight at him he's almost so you call him Dyson the bison it's just a bit of a uh, because I've always called him Bill Bison (laughs) I think everyone christens uh, specimens something different, whatever speaks to Yeah, because they do have personalities, don't they? And when you spend a lot of time staring into these specimens, you kind of, you know, christen them something. (laughs) And the thing I love about the fact that we've been able to get some of these very historic specimens out on display in our Wild Planet exhibition is that you get to see them so up close. And bison, my God, they're enormous creatures. Yeah, uh, that uh, has been such a, um, a joy to get. So many things that I've seen in the stores that I can walk up to and, and look at, um, but so many of the public haven't had a chance to see them. A lot of our exotics have sat off site for a long time, uh, and to see the bison and the zebra right there, just fantastic. It is fantastic, and I'll, I'll always remember the day of uh, when some of those specimens came out of storage and came into the museum and seeing you so carefully handling them and putting them into position. And it's a thrill. I love seeing the kids wander through the Wild Planet Gallery, and we're adding to it too in the future. Yes. So it's always going to be updated and refreshed, isn't it? Because we do have so many specimens to draw upon. Exactly, and that um, has a preservation um, overtone as well. We like to rest, as we call it, um, specimens from light. So we can, because we have quite a lot, we can swap things in and out that might be a little bit more light sensitive. That's right. That's so great. And specimens need to rest and so do we which is why we've just come back from wonderful holidays but Sheldon here it's fantastic to have you on the team here in the work you do but Thank great you. to learn more about materials conservation and uh, maybe not thousands of people can do this there's not a lot of jobs mm. but I think you might have inspired a few people to look at it hope so yeah it's a fantastic career wonderful good to meet you Sheldon thanks for having me This has been an Australian Museum podcast.